For we know that we serve a risen and a reigning Savior. He's alive. He's not a philosophy. This is beyond a ritual of religion. He's a risen Savior that we've truly met and has transformed our lives. Jesus is alive. And that makes all the difference in what we believe and in how we behave. That's why we do what we do and we sing like we sing. We've met him personally. He's changed us completely. New creations, the Bible describes us. New creatures in Christ, those that are truly Christians and truly born from above. And that's why, again, we live differently than others. We praise enthusiastically and we pray confidently. We walk with a power and an authority and a certainty in this world because Jesus Christ lives and he lives in us and he lives through us. Now, you know, a week prior to the resurrection is what we like to call the triumphant entry. It's when Jesus enters Jerusalem. He enters that great city with the shouts of Hosanna and praises just filling the air. And that leads to that final week. It unfolds with the Last Supper and then the agony of Gethsemane and then the betrayal, the arrest, and then that trial. And finally, there's the beating. And then above all, there is finally the cross and the crucifixion. The Lord of glory is crucified. You know, crucifixion was a frightening word in those days. It was a cruel, shameful, and vicious death. In fact, no Roman citizen was ever to be crucified. It was against their law. It was for non-citizens. But on that first Easter morning, it seemed like once again, the cross had accomplished its task. The crucifixion had made the words of Jesus seem like forgotten words. He said, when I be lifted up, I will draw all men. He said, no man takes my life. And they seem like broken or at least misunderstood promises. The cross did that. The cross caused the wicked to celebrate. The Jewish leaders had rid themselves of God's son. He had threatened their power and their prestige and their prominence. He had condemned their hypocrisy, but now he was gone. The cross had slain him. The jaws of death. They had stared him and they never lost a victim. He was gone to trouble them no more. The cross and the crucifixion had brought those disciples into a terrible place of confusion and discouragement and despair. They thought he was the one that would restore the kingdom to Israel. That he was the one that would revive David's dynasty. That he would reign over Rome and throw off all their enemies. But now they're scattered and they're frightened. For their world and their savior had come crashing down. We have a slain Savior and a triumphant enemy. And we have a defeated group of disciples. But, thank God, the Almighty, he wasn't through. The true and living God, he still had something to say. What did he say, someone? What did he say, preacher? Well, I think, among other things, he might have said, Surprise, surprise, surprise. Surprise, Pharisees and Sadducees. Surprise, Pilate and Herod. Surprise all ye enemies of righteousness. Oh yeah, those words that seemed like nonsense, they were getting ready to erupt into divine life. The enemy's celebration was soon to fade and turn from joy to fear as the cry, He's risen, filled the earth. And those disciples that were so down, well friend, they would soon rise up and turn their world upside down with the message, Jesus Christ is alive. Jesus Christ has risen, risen indeed. I'll talk about the sights and the sounds of the resurrection. Let's begin by first looking at the symbol of the stone. 
the symbol of the stone. And if you have your Bibles, let me just reread those first four verses. It was the Sabbath, after the Sabbath, at the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb. Now there was a violent earthquake, and an angel of the Lord had come down, and going to the tomb, I want you to see this, he rolls that huge stone back, and he just sits on it. He just sits on it. I mean, he's like king of the mountain. He just sits on it. Now his appearance is like lightning. He is um, clothing as white as snow. The guards were so afraid that they shook and became like dead men. Oh, what a sight. What a time. Now let's look at that stone. It was a huge stone. It weighed some two to three tons. It was rolled kind of like um, a, a, gentle, a gentle scoop was dug up. And so it would go down. And once it was set in place, it was hard and impossible to move. It was rolled and sealed with the Roman seal. And the women asked the question, who will roll away the stone? You know, that's a question that mankind has been asking from the beginning. The stone that represents death's seal and death's victory and death's finality. I mean, philosophy tried to move it, but it wouldn't budge. No matter how smart you think you are, you're not smart enough to overcome death. Oh, no, you need a, a savior for that. Men's good works try, but no matter how good you think you are, you'll never be good enough to overcome this and be made right with God. You need a savior, and there's only one. His name is Jesus. Amen. That stone was stamped with the Roman seal, and it was guarded by Roman's power. But those women, not knowing how they'd get in to anoint that body, but they came anyhow. Their great love for Jesus could do nothing less. Love keeps going. Love keeps moving. Love, even when doesn't have an answer, love keeps expressing and hoping and carrying on. The women approach the grave that first resurrection morning, and their hearts are heavy and their minds are perplexed. But when they got there, it's wonderful. Even when you don't know what to do, keep serving the Lord. Even when you don't know how things will work out tomorrow, keep trusting the Lord. Keep going about your best to be obedient to the thing God has called you to do. And when the time is right, he'll show up. He'll make a way. He'll turn things around. He does every time. He never failed, and he won't fail you. The women kept walking. They're walking. They don't know how they're going. Who's going to move away the stone? We just want to anoint with the spices our dead friend. But when they got there, the question of the ages was answered, and their saddened hearts were turned to joy. They saw a shining angel sitting upon that stone, and they heard the message that has changed the world. He's not here. He has risen just like he said he would. First, let's look at the stone this morning and let the stone speak to us, for it communicates, number one, the removal of death's doors. I want you to see this in the theater of your mind. This huge stone that the angel throws aside, sits upon. It speaks to you and I as a symbol of the removal of death's doors. You see, death's house was firmly secured by a huge stone. The angel removes it, and the living Christ breaks forth. That massive door was not merely just opened. It was thrown and flung aside, torn off its engine. It reminds us of, you can go back to your Sunday school days. It reminds us of the story of Samson in Judges 16. When the Philistines have him surrounded in the city of Gaza. 
And it's in the middle of the night and the enemy thought for sure he was totally imprisoned by the city walls and by its massive and sealed and locked gates. I mean, some scholars that have done excavations, they estimate that, that the gates that Samson lifted up at minimum were 5,000 pounds, most likely closer to 10,000. But in the middle of the night, Samson arose and he tore the gates completely off their hinges and he just walked away with them and planted them on a hill far away. That's the removal of death's doors. That's exactly what Jesus did on that first resurrection morning. Death was a prison house and no one had ever escaped. But on the cross, he paid the price for our sins. But in that grave, he dealt with death. The Bible says, 2 Timothy 1 and 10, that Jesus abolished death. He destroyed death and he brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He rendered inoperative. Death is no longer a threat to the child of God because Jesus Christ has risen. He's risen indeed. I ask you this morning, does death frighten you? It doesn't have to because of what Jesus has done for the Christian. We know there is a great freedom from death's power and a blessed assurance that when we breathe our last breath here, we'll breathe our first one in the presence of the Lord. You see, death is not a prison house. It's now a gateway into the very presence of our God. The Christian has the comfort of knowing death's doors have been torn off their hinges, and because Jesus lives, we will live also. Look at that stone. See it as a symbol of the removal of death's doors and death's authority, and death's finality. See that stone as a trophy of the Savior's triumph. You know, throughout the scriptures, men of old would make memorials by setting up stones and heaps of stones to remember or commemorate great victories and great deeds. This stone speaks about the eternal victory that Jesus has given those that serve him. The enemies of God, well, they thought they had finished him, They thought that the cross had accomplished its task. Grimly, they smiled as that motionless body of the Savior was put in Joseph's tomb. But their joy was fleeting and their boasting brief. For when the appointed time came, the one that death could not hold, he rose to die no more. And that stone says to you and I this morning that the Father was pleased and the sacrifice was accepted and Jesus Christ has triumphed. He's risen. He's defeated every enemy you and I will ever face. I thank God for that. For a dead Savior, he can't save anyone. A dead Savior, he can't help anyone. A dead Savior, he can't He can't hear anyone. He can't heal anyone. But praise God, Jesus can. Somebody, Jesus can, for he's alive. We're not talking about bowing to a statue. We're not talking about following your own golden rule. We're talking about serving a risen Savior who is alive. And he will hear your faintest cry. He will help you in the time of your need. He will heal you when a healing touch from heaven is the only thing that can do the job somebody Jesus is alive therefore we serve a savior that can hear us he can help us he can heal us and above all thank God he can save us he can redeem us whosoever will you can come and he'll save you and transform you no one else can he's a risen savior he's alive 
in stone. It speaks to us. Death's doors have been removed. As the child of God, death has lost its sting. And the grave has lost its victory. It speaks to us as a trophy of the Savior's triumph. Jesus Christ has defeated death, hell, and the grave. Jesus is alive, therefore he can help you. He can heal you. He can hear you. He can save you and forgive you and transform you. A philosophy can't do that. A foolish religion can't do that. A ritual of man cannot do that. Look at that stone. Oh my. With the angel just seated upon it. Let the eye of faith see that stone as a mighty memorial to our victorious Savior. And be reminded this morning that his victory is your victory. And his triumph has now become yours if you're a child of God. Let the ear of faith hear the great words of the apostle. Oh, death, what's happened to your sting? Oh, grave, what's become of your victory? Because he has risen. You and I can say this morning, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. And look at that stone and it speaks of death's doors being torn off their hinges. It speaks of a trophy of our Savior's triumph. It speaks about a rest that's been provided forever and forever. It says it is finished. The work of salvation, the work of redemption, it is finished. It's completed. It's eternally done. Never to be challenged or threatened again. Men can do their best with their philosophy, say God is dead. They died and God keeps marching on. Men can do their best to try to stamp out God and Putin will be in hell with the rest of them. For those that raise up their arm against the living God and his church will soon find that they have bitten off more than they could chew. They tried to stamp them out in the communist nations. They've tried to say you can't preach this gospel even in the earlier days. But every time they stand up, they'll find out men's arms are too short to box with this God. For he's the living God. He's the almighty God. He's a great God. If you're here today, stop fighting with God. Stop trying to put God off. He loves you and he died for you. You're not going to win that fight. Just say, Jesus, I say, uncle, I give up. I surrender. Have your way. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Look at that angel sitting on that stone. They say a picture is worth a thousand words. Look at that angel. Speaking defiantly to the Jewish seal, to the Roman spear, to men and devils alike, as if to say, come and roll it back if you can, you enemies of God. Powers that thought you could prevail against the prince of glory. Come on, just try to roll it back if you dare. This speaks of a rest provided. For there is no greater source of peace and rest than to know Jesus Christ has risen. He has risen indeed. This is the guarantee. We love to sing that beautiful song. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and he talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. We see the stone just rolled away and the angel seated upon it. 
It speaks of death's defeat. It speaks of hell's defeat. It speaks of sin's defeat. And it speaks to you and I that it is finished. It gives us a rest in our souls, the rest of salvation, the rest of forgiveness, the rest of knowing that our times are in God's hands and nothing can snatch us from him. It speaks about the guarantee that we have that his presence lives now within us. It's the same spirit that raised him that dwells within us, giving us strength and giving us life to live this life. It speaks about the fact that his power has triumphed. It speaks to us about the fact that his promises are true and they can be trusted. I love that line. The angel says, just like he said, he said he would raise again. You didn't understand it and some of you didn't believe it, but he did it because when God says it, you can believe it. When Jesus speaks it, you can count on it coming to pass. And this very fact, this this seal, this beautiful image of the stone being rolled away, it tells us again the promises of God They are yes and they are amen. And everything the Bible says about the cross of Calvary, about the precious blood of Jesus, about the great salvation that we can enjoy, the resurrection is God's verification. The resurrection is God the Father's seal of approval. It's God saying you can believe that. You can receive that. You can accept that. You can take that into your life. You can believe everything you've ever read about the goodness of God in that Bible. For the resurrection of Christ is God's the Father's seal of approval saying yes, that's true, that's just the way it is, so enjoy it, rejoice in it, and walk in the victory that it provides. Somebody say amen. Oh yeah. Oh God. That is heaven's amen saying go ahead, you can believe everything he's ever said. Go ahead. You can impart to your life everything he's ever declared. Jesus said, because I live, you shall live also. You shall live also. Because I live, you have victory over death also. Because I live, you can have peace with the Heavenly Father also. Because I live, you have a position as a son and daughter of the living God and you will reign forever and ever also. Because I live, let not your heart be troubled. If you trust in God, Jesus says, trust in me. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when I go away, I will return and I'll take you. And because I live, you're going to live with me forever. Oh, hallelujah. Because he lives. He is the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in him, though they die, they'll live again. And whoever believes and lives shall never die. Are there any believers in the house this morning? Jesus says, because I live, you shall live. You shall triumph. You shall overcome. The resurrection tells every one of us that belong to Jesus. We enjoy his victory. We share in his triumph. We're partners and partakers of a great salvation. Blessed be his name forevermore. What a thought. Death's doors torn off their hinges. The sting of sin defeated by the blood of the Lamb of God. Death is no longer an enemy. It is a defeated foe. Hallelujah. Do you mourn loved ones in the Lord that have gone before you? Look at that stone. It tells you they shall rise again. Are your days in this life drawing to a close? Look at that stone and see how death has lost its thing in the grave, been stripped of all of its power. He's not here. He has risen, and he's waiting for you, and he's waiting for you, and he's waiting for me. 
the symbol of the stone and the sermon of the angel. The symbol of the stone communicates to you and I some very powerful and precious truths concerning the Lord's resurrection and triumph and what it means to you and I. How it can apply to the life we live as Christians. But the sermon of the angel, and I just have time to summarize that. It begins in verse 5. The angel said, fear not, ladies. Fear not, fear not. If you're a believer, fear not. For your life is held securely in the arms and the hands of God. Fear not, for nothing can snatch you out of those hands and nothing can separate you from that love. Fear not, the past, it's been forgiven. Fear not, the present, it's been provided for by the one that lives forevermore. Fear not, the future, for the one that rose, he goes ahead of you, leading you and keeping you every step of the way. Fear not, the angel said, for I know you seek Jesus. What a thought. Because I know, dear ones, he says, I know you that love me and are sincerely trying to serve me. I know you that really want to be a Christian and are looking for Jesus and doing your best to walk with them. I know your needs and I know your names and I know your battles. I know your sincerity. God knows and God is well pleased with those he sees you throughout the week doing your best, trying to live for God, trying to do what God would have you to do. And as the angel said to the ladies, God knows you're looking for Jesus. God knows how sincere your hearts are and God will honor that sincere heart and God will honor that sincere faith. Somebody keep trusting God. Keep doing your best to live for God. I know it's not always easy. I know at times it seems like it's a step forward and then a step backwards, but God sees sheer sincerity. God knows how your efforts are. He knows what you're facing and he says, I haven't failed to see how sincere you are and I will honor you for that and I will help you in that and you will meet with me on that pathway of obedience. The angel said, fear not, for Christ is overcome. Therefore, so shall you overcome. Fear not, for he knows you by name, and he knows the sincerity of your heart. He knows the efforts that you're giving. Fear not, he knows you by name, and he is not dead. Oh no, he has risen and he'll meet you. He'll meet you, that same Jesus of the Bible. He'll meet you in the place of obedience. He'll meet your needs. He'll heal your hurts. He'll hear your cry. He'll carry you through that wilderness time. He is a great God. Somebody bless his name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The symbol of the stone and the sermon of the angel. We serve a living Savior. Triumphant Savior. Great, compassionate Savior. Let's live with that assurance. Let's live with that awareness as we endeavor to live out this life. As we endeavor to faithfully serve Him and walk with Him. We're going to close. Oh, Wonderful Jesus. Wonderful Jesus. I said wonderful Jesus. Wonderful Jesus. Wonderful. Go ahead and bless him. Wonderful Jesus. Wonderful Jesus. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Oh, this thing is real. Wonderful, Jesus. Yeah, he's worthy. He's worthy. He's alive and he's worthy. He's alive and he's wonderful. Is your heart right with him? I don't care if you said a prayer when you were five years old right now as you breathe. Is your heart right with the living Savior? Is Jesus your Savior? We know he's a Savior. We know he's the Savior, the only Savior. Is he your Savior? Are you sincerely? Remember the angel knew their heart. How many know God knows the heart? Are you sincerely and honestly, are you practically serving Jesus? If not, you're invited to come. And receive him. If you've drifted. And in honesty you can say no. You're not where you need to be. You can come and make things right. What an opportunity. What an opportunity. Such a great savior should not be ignored. Such a wonderful salvation should not just be put as second best when you can fit it in. It should always have a place of priority and prominence and preeminence in every heart and every family and every life. So we're going to give you that opportunity in just a moment. We're going to sing our final song and pray our final prayer. But then as our normal habit is, we open these altars. The most important thing is that those that either have never received Christ or have drifted from the path can come and take this opportunity to make things right. The devil doesn't want you making things right. He wants you running out as soon as you can. He doesn't like the fact that somebody feels uncomfortable right now because the Spirit of God is speaking and dealing. It's easy to fake it other places. It gets harder as his presence draws nearer. But if you come down, you won't feel like you're being picked on or pointed out. Someone will be there to pray with you and love on you. And if you're sincere, help you to pray the prayer, get a fresh start, and get things back in line and start walking forward in the victory and in the faithful service to Jesus. But if you're here, maybe you would just like special prayer. Maybe you're facing an appointment. Maybe you got a bad report from the doctor. Maybe you're facing something in your marriage or on the job. And you would just like someone to join with you and ask God for his intervention and his help. But we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to anoint you with oil and believe God. This Jesus who is alive, he's here. And he's able to heal your body. He's able to fill and strengthen your thirsty soul. If you have any need this morning, come forward and let the power of God touch your life. Let the spirit of the risen Savior minister to you as his desire is. God wants to touch you. God wants to minister to you. Jesus loves you with an everlasting love. And the Holy Spirit desires to minister to you in his perfect and powerful way. Would you stand with me, please, as we pray our prayer and open the altars. And after I pray the prayer, if you would, even if you don't need prayer, if you would just stay and sing the song one time through, just giving 
the Lord Jesus thanks for all that he's done and all that he's meant to you. Just giving him honor and glory for the great salvation that he purchased and paid that great price for. We pray this morning, Father, we thank you for a living Savior. Thank you, Father. I don't got to put my faith in a statue, in a necklace, or in a philosophy. But when I call on the Lord, I call on the living God who really does love us and cares for us and who is able to help us. Lord Jesus, our hearts are so comforted this morning. We're strengthened. We're filled with joy because we know that you live and you really do live and you really do love us and you really do watch over our lives. You never leave us and you never forsake us. Help us, Lord, to allow the truth of the resurrection to continue to affect and transform our lives. How we live and talk and how we walk and how we think. Now, Lord, touch your people. You know every need. There might be physical needs. There might be emotional needs. There might be family, financial needs. Lord Jesus, touch your people. Display your power. Holy Spirit, breathe resurrection life upon everyone that's hungry and thirsty for more of the presence of God. And for that, we say amen, and we respond. Let's worship the Lord. If you want prayer, if you need prayer, take this opportunity. Let God touch you. Let God do something special in your life right now. In Jesus' name, let's worship the Lord.